Tabernacle Presbyterian Church presents Sunday with Tab. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, located at 34th and Central in Indianapolis, welcomes you to Sunday with Tab. Today, Pastor John Gable delivers the message entitled, People Jesus Met Along the Way, the Pharisees. We'll also have music from the Sanctuary Choir. So join us now from the Sanctuary of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church for Sunday with Tab.
So our first scripture reading this morning is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the traditions of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must surely die. But you say that if anyone tells father or mother, whatever support you might have had for me is korban, that is, an offering to God, then you no longer permit doing anything for a father and a mother, thus making void the word of God, through your tradition that you have handed on. And you do many things like this. This is the word of God. Terry, thank you. Uh, Our second lesson is taken from Matthew's Gospel, the 22nd chapter. A familiar text to us. When the Pharisees heard that he, meaning Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. And let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of this day, for the privilege of worship. We sit now beneath the teaching of your word, and we would pray that the words of my mouth, that the meditations of our hearts together might find acceptance in your sight. For it is you and you alone we desire to please, and that through Christ our Lord. Amen. We've been talking over the past couple of weeks about people Jesus met along the way, and today we look at the Pharisees, in my opinion, the most confounding and confusing of any of the people he visited with. And admittedly, Jesus' interactions with them only added to that confusion. He he had more confrontations with this group of people than any other. I asked the folks at the pastor's Bible study this past Wednesday morning, what are your first impressions of the Pharisees? And nearly to a person, everything they said was negative. Perhaps not a fair estimation, 
but certainly understandable when we read about the interactions that Jesus had with them. So let's start with who they were and how their ilk came into being. The sect of the Pharisees arose during the Old Testament period of time that we would call the exile. When the temple in Jerusalem had been destroyed and the people were carried off into Babylonia, the whole system of Israel's worship and identity suddenly changed. No land, no temple, no sacrificial system. And so in the exile, the law became the center of teaching and of life rather than the priestly role of the sacrifice. And during that time, the religious leaders began to advocate for certain guidelines, uh, practices that were to be put in place in order to ensure that the law would be kept sacred. And that makes sense to us. I think admittedly, we read the law, specifically the Ten Commandments, and sometimes they're a little vague, a little ambiguous. Uh, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. And everyone nods in agreement. And then someone invariably asks, what does that mean? So what can I do on the Sabbath and still keep it holy? Or how do I honor mother or father? So in response to that, the religious leaders of the day started to put specific practices into place to better interpret or to clarify the law. And again, I think that sounds very helpful. And over time, that great body of teaching came to be known as the tradition of the elders. And in the passage that Terry read for us this morning from Mark's Gospel, we hear the tradition of the elders referenced several times. So, as Jesus refers to it in that teaching, we fast forward the end of the exilic exile, the end of the exilic period, the people come back to Jerusalem, the temple is reestablished, and there arose a conflict among religious people as to whether they put their emphasis on the simple telling of the law. Honor the Sabbath day, keep it holy, honor mother and father. Or did they put their emphasis on the teaching of the elders? The Sadducees were in the former camp. And the Pharisees, also referred to in the Gospels as lawyers, were in the latter camp. The Pharisees were of the opinion that the law and then the 613 laws that came with that needed to be surrounded by a fence of other rules and regulations in order that we would keep that law sacred, holy, and pure. So they put these rules and regulations into practice. They practiced them themselves and became critical of those who did not practice as they did. So, were the Pharisees good guys or bad guys? Well, your call, but without question, they were hyper-religious, they were ultra-conservative. Ask them, and they would say that they had, were trying to maintain this elaborate system of regulations in order to protect the sacredness of the law. Others would say, all of those rules and regulations 
had become more important than the original teaching of the law itself. Well, that may be a long way of introduction, but it gives us a, a sense of the reason to see why Jesus had so many confrontational interactions with these folks. Invariably, Jesus was doing things that got religious leaders of the day all tied up in knots. He was eating with tax collectors and sinners. He was healing people on the Sabbath day. He told stories about people like Pharisees who walked past other people in need, like the guy on the side of the road after he had been beaten and robbed, on their way to temple because they were more concerned about their ritual cleanliness than they were about the very basic human need for rest, healing, and wholeness. As we read the Gospels, isn't it fascinating? Jesus comes as a religious teacher, and yet it's the religious folks who reject him. It's the non-religious folks who welcome him. Jesus was an obvious outsider. In our Gospel lesson this morning, it was a Pharisee who raised this question of Jesus as to why the disciples didn't wash their hands before eating. Now, they weren't asking a question about hygiene. They were asking a question about the dictates of following the prescribed patterns that they had put in place. Jesus was very firm, rather blunt in his response to them. He calls them hypocrites. And then he quotes the prophet Isaiah saying, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human traditions. Now, it would be relatively easy for us, I think, to listen into these conversations which Jesus has with people along the way and think to ourselves, whew, I sure am glad he's talking to them and not to us but not so fast, right? I can't help but think that there might be a little bit, or maybe more than a little bit, of that Pharisaic tendency in us, and it is relatively easy to see how we got there. We love God. We want to be obedient to God, and so we establish certain practices, certain rules, certain principles, to help us protect and maintain our faith. And all of that is good and well, unless or until our intent on keeping our traditions becomes more important than our listening to the command which God has given to us in the first place. My guess is any number of us can remember in childhood what we were allowed to do and not allowed to do on a Sunday. Yes to church and family, no to movies and the mall. How did those rules and regulations come into being? Well, someone, most likely the religious leaders of the day, instilled them in us for very, very good reasons. That of protecting the sanctity of one of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And that was beneficial as long as that remained our focus in those guidelines. But along the way, the rules and the regulations and the restrictions became the focal point. And we began to put the emphasis on the wrong syllable, 
if you will. The maintenance of the fence became more important to us than the law, the teaching, the commandment of God that the fence was intending to protect. You may recall one of my 40 gleanings drew a distinction between tradition and traditionalism. As one has put it, tradition is the living faith of dead people. Traditionalism is the dead faith of living people. What Jesus was saying to the Pharisees in our gospel lesson, and likely, I believe, to us today, is that the intention of the God-given law is always more important than the fence of rules and regulations that we have put around it in attempt to protect it. Recent studies have shown that those inside the church tend to think of ourselves as safeguarding a sacred tradition, while those outside the church consider us to be judgmental and self-righteous and legalistic and hypocritical. Not unlike the way folks at the pastor's Bible study describe the Pharisees of old. Do you see the problem that we have then as we attempt to present the gospel in a meaningful, life-changing way with the culture around us? One of the ways we might think about that inherent tension is by contrasting what we might call religion and faith. Faith, we would describe as having a personal, intimate, life-changing, trusting relationship with God that then we share with one another. Religion is the structure we have put in place in order to order our lives of faith as the people of God. And most of the time, we would think that those two align well with one another, but oftentimes they do not. Is one right and the other wrong? Well, not necessarily, as long as we keep each of them in their proper perspective, their proper place of priority. We would know that faith without any guidance or instruction, such as we're given in the scriptures or in the confessions, would easily dissolve into mere feelings, some kind of abstract spirituality. On the other hand, we would also know that religious order and structure without any inward experience of the presence of God would become burdensome life-depleting rather than life-giving as it's intended to be. So I don't think Jesus was so much rejecting the tradition of the elders, carte blanche, but he was reminding the Pharisees to refocus on the commands of God which lie at their heart. In our second gospel lesson, a Pharisee approaches Jesus and asks him, teacher, which commandment of the law is the greatest? Now bear in mind, this is a Pharisee asking the question. He wants a specific, definitive answer. And my guess is he's gonna walk away pretty unsatisfied with the answer that Jesus gives him. Because Jesus says, love God with all that you are, and your neighbor as yourself, all the rest, is just commentary. What? I mean, that's way too vague, too abstract, too ambiguous, too ill-defined for the pharisaical kind of way of thinking. Just tell us what to do, Jesus. And he refuses to do so. 
And we read at the end of that section of Scripture, after this, the Pharisees didn't ask him any more questions. Isn't that interesting? Jesus here is redirecting them, and I believe he's redirecting us to refocus on the central teachings of the law, love God and love one another. And given that, whenever we find ourselves asking, so what should we do in any given situation, you have heard me say, well, when in doubt, do the loving thing in the loving way. And then when we find ourselves resisting that, like the Pharisees who walked on the other side of the road when they saw the man in need, we need to ask ourselves, why am I resisting what clearly is the call of God in my life? What have I put into my life? What principles or practices have I built a fence around that law of care and kindness and love that keeps me from doing what I know needs to be done? Let me tell you a tab story that I happen to love. For many decades, we have had a soup kitchen, and here through the years, it is safe to say we have served literally thousands of people, some of which years later have come back simply to say thank you. There's no question that our soup kitchen was founded for one reason and one reason alone, and that was to feed hungry people, our neighbors. And I know that to be a fact because I have visited with the folks who uh, cooked that first pot of soup. That practice for many years was carried out in this way, that our neighbors would come to the side door here on Central Avenue, stand in line, receive their cups or cup or cups of soup to go. They weren't allowed to come into the building. Why? Well, because our dining room is very nice and our carpet is very clean and the, the room is set for the ways that we know we want to use that room. And I think we can all agree that guidelines in a place in a ministry like this are very necessary lest everything falls into disarray and chaos. So that system was working just fine until one hot August day. Our neighbor at the time was, I'm sorry, our pastor at the time was going out to lunch with one of our parishioners when he saw that gathering of hot, hungry, tired folks standing in line out in the heat of the day and he thought there is something not right about this picture. And so he opened the door and invited our neighbors to come into the air-conditioned dining room and they have never left. That's why we call it the open door soup kitchen now the Open Door Cafe. Now, the original intention of the cafe, I know, has never changed. Feeding hungry people with good food in a safe place, welcoming them as neighbor and friend. And along the way, the traditions, the practices, the policies we had put into place as to who would come in and who could not come in, who had to stay out, seemed to become more important to us than the original intention of that ministry. The rules and the regulations simply had to be challenged and addressed and then ultimately eventually changed and they were. There are many other examples that we could give of that, not just examples in the church, that we can think of examples in our own lives, in our family lives, in our relationships with others in which we know what we like because we like what we know. And we've always done it that way. 
or we've never done it that way. And that posture has won the day. And those are the things that continually need to be taken out, reviewed, examined. But as we do so, I hope we'll always do it with a measure of grace. There will always be those among us who will want to push the boundaries and throw out all the tradition of the elders. And in doing so, that can sometimes leave us a bit untethered. And there are others of us who want to hold firmly to the traditions which have been given to us because they have served us so well for so long. And we can find good reason, good examples, where both of those responsibilities are both beneficial and abused, which suggests to me that the guidance that Jesus gave is very good for them then and for us now. Consider again why we do what we do, and when in doubt, do the loving thing. Love God and love one another. All the rest, just commentary. Amen. And let us pray. Lord, thank you. You have invited us into your family. You've given us your name. You've called us to be your hands and feet. And we desire wholeheartedly to do that and be that in a way that brings honor and glory to you. So allow us, O oh Lord, to continue to hear the teaching that you give to us, hear the teaching of the Spirit within us so that we might better be shaped and formed into your image and likeness, so to your honor and glory we pray it. Lord, hear our prayer. You're listening to Sunday with Tab, a production of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis. We hope you have found inspiration and comfort in today's program. There are many ways to enjoy today's message again. Subscribe to the Tab podcast on your favorite podcast app or go to tabpres.org Tap on the graphic marked Sermons and select the sermon you wish to hear. While there, you can also view the entire worship service. We invite you to join us for worship this morning at Tabernacle Presbyterian Church. We're located at the corner of 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis. At 8 a.m., we have a communion service in the chapel. And at 10 o'clock, a beautiful worship service in the sanctuary. The 10 o'clock service is also live-streamed on our YouTube channel, Tab Indie. For all information on the services and streaming, go to tabprez.org. That's T-A-B-P-R-E-S dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening, and join us next week at the same time for Sunday with Tab. What is the kingdom of God? Pastor John Gable of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus offers a rather curious listing of those who enter the kingdom of God. The poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and the persecuted, among others. It's an unexpected list that includes those the world often classifies as rejects and outcasts. It is this countercultural Jesus that we seek to follow at Tab whose message runs counter to our culture of self-centeredness and self-absorption. How do we follow this Jesus at TAB? Come find out for yourself by joining us in worship or visiting us online at tabprez.org. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis, invites you to worship Sunday morning at 8 or 10 a.m. 
If you can't make it in person, tune in to Sunday with Tab, Sunday mornings at 6.30 on WIBC, or find us online at tabprez.org.